everybody to Podcasting with Friends Movie Edition. Today we're going to be talking about the movies that are going to be coming out in the winter of 2017. We're going to be going through and previewing uh, the ones that we're most excited about, that we think are going to be most interesting and might be nominated for Oscars. So uh, first I want to introduce the people that I'm here with. Uh, I'm here with Derek Deal. Hey. And Brandon Bowlby. Hey guys. Well, uh, coming off of last the last episode we did, it was our summer movie wager episode. And that was the contest that we had over the summer. And Brandon won the contest. Because of that, we all had to watch one of Brandon's choice of movie. So Brandon chose for us to watch Leviathan. And we said we're going to watch it by this next episode. Um, I know I watched it. I watched it this morning. So recent. Um, Derek? No, I didn't watch it. (laughs) Derek. I'm sorry, Brandon. Not cool. But will you be able to watch it someday in the future? Yeah, someday I'll watch it. <laughs> no, I'll, I, it's definitely like the top of my priority <laughs> things to watch. Okay. Well, after watching it this morning, I have to tell you, like I, you know, I recommend it as well. It's a really powerful movie. There's a lot of really strong themes that are going out the film with corruption and um, religion tied in with the government and kind of doing what's right. Um, uh, it was also a beautifully shot film. It was super gorgeous the whole time. Um, I also thought it was very emotionally complex. I found myself completely invested in each of the characters, and they all had subtle performances of how each one of them was feeling such an intensely different way. Also, there was a lot of really great payoffs where things were subtly hinted at, and then they all came back around. Um Brandon, uh, like, what were your general thoughts? Like, I know it's been probably a while since you've seen it, but it was the movie that you recommended. Right. It's been like three, three years since I've seen this movie. Um, but God, this movie like took me by surprise. I didn't know very much about it at all when I first watched it. And I just like turned it on, on a plane ride on my laptop. Oh my gosh. And was just completely like blown away. The unique location is like really special about this movie too. Um, it really like absorbs you in the really like lonesome environment in the Russian tundra, the Leviathan, the whales, the the setting on the shore with the carcasses. Like the movie is really beautiful and really well shot as well. There's a really intense scene uh, towards the end of the film where the wife is standing, looking at the waves, and there's a whale that goes through the water as she's watching it and it's like so beautifully shot but also like you can tell everything that she's feeling and how complex she is inside do you know what i'm talking about yeah absolutely the um the score too is really really beautiful i mean just from like the opening kind of montage of the landscapes yeah. when it uh swells in um and i also love like you said things come like full circle a lot in it kind of the hints of Catholicism wrapped up in the corruption that happens in the movie and kind of the conclusion in the end is really surprising and like just such a great, powerful and sad conclusion to the film. This movie came out in 2014. Uh, Do you remember what was like on your list then and where you think this would go if you were to reconsider that's an interesting question. Um, um, yeah, I probably had Birdman or Boyhood on top of my list. You know, it, it'd probably be right up there in the top five. 
you know, I, I don't know if I would put it above Boyhood, but it was a very powerful, beautiful movie. So it, mm-hmm. it'd be right up there. Maybe and if looking at it now, it's like if I did have Boyhood at number one and Birdman at number two, it might even be between those two. Wow. That's really cool to hear. I'm glad you liked it that much because it had such a big impact on me that year. Really? I It was just like, I'm glad you forced me to watch it. <laughs> yeah, finally. Um, that got me really excited to watch it. I'm, I really want to like turn it on now in the next week. Yeah, have you watched it since you watched it on an airplane? <laughs> no. Like, I feel like you need to watch it on your big TV. Like, yeah, it's so it's so gorgeous, and it's yeah, it's like, so cinematic. Yeah, there's so many just beautiful scenes and locations. I'm just surprised that you haven't <laughs> you watched. I would just... love to see like a rescreening of that in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that, um, I think we should go into our previews for winter 2017. Winter's always a pretty exciting season because it seems like there's so many good movies that come out all at once. We should say that we classify the winter season as December through the end of February, which is pretty much capped off with the Oscars. Um, Not that the Oscars are end-all, but... So little movies come out in January, February anyways, and so many come out in December that we kind of play catch up January and February um, in order to actually see all the movies from the year that we want to see. And so it kind of works out for the best that way. And availability as well. Like, I mean, you're in New York City, so most things open right away for you. But for us in Seattle, a lot of the a lot of these big indie artful movies aren't released until January or February even. Yeah, for sure. Brandon, do you want to introduce the first film? Yeah. So the first film we're looking forward to comes out November 22nd. Um, and that's Pixar's new film Coco. Um, this is directed by Lee Uncrick. He directed the third toy story film, which was really, really great. Um, I don't think he has any other Pixar animated films he's done besides that. Reviews that are coming out for this movie are really strong. People are, are liking it a lot. Um, well, I feel I feel like Pixar has kind of been doing this thing where they have like two they have like two movies a year, and typically one of them is like really great, and one of them is just kind of like an animated movie. Yeah, one of them one of them they're actually trying, and one they're just coming out with something more Disney related. And it's pretty obvious when they're doing each. Coco is definitely one they're trying hard on. And they've come out with just some classics over the last decade and a half. I mean, Toy Story, The Original Monsters, Inc., Incredibles, Ratatouille, WALL-E. So they are definitely a company I always look out for. And um, I'm extremely excited for Coco. Um, I actually just found out that they're doing kind of a unique intro to this called Olive's Frozen Adventure, which is a character from the Disney film, not Pixar film, uh, Frozen. And um, they're making a big push for this short. And most all these films have a short that comes out at the beginning. But this one is like over 20 minutes long. So it really pushes the runtime with this whole theater experience. And I think they're definitely trying to do that to bump the sales to get the kids excited for this Coco film. Because it's kind of a new IP for them. And so Disney thinks pairing it with um, this Frozen short is going to get kids in the door easier. Yeah, I mean, kids love Frozen, so it's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but that is a long short. They have never done that before. Yeah, that's true. They're usually like three or four minutes, right? Yeah, 
I'm not excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should preface this by saying we are we are <laughs> not looking forward to that short, but <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen Frozen, so I don't know I don't know um how to feel. Hopefully I'm not lost when they have Olaf's solo short film. You got to know all the backstory. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Coco is out now. So our next film that we want to talk about is called Call Me By Your Name. It's supposed to be released on November 24th in a limited basis, which could mean kind of anything. It'll probably be open in New York in November, but it probably won't come to Seattle for a few more weeks after that. This is definitely an indie choice on our preview list. It's directed by a guy named Luca Guadagnino, and it's starring Army Hammer and Timothy Chamalet. Basically, this movie is a love story. Uh, it's a young man. He's spending the summer in Italy. His, fire, his father hires a doctor student, played by Army Hammer. They start developing feelings for each other. Basically, this movie was screened at Sundance, and it got incredible reviews. People have been talking about it all year. Uh, people who are lucky enough to see festival screens of it, but... It's just been gathering a lot of buzz all year round. I just keep seeing it on these preview lists and like early best of lists. It's kind of just getting people are just saying that it's just kind of a perfect drama. I mean, like really like basically I've been following this list on Letterboxd and it, like all year it's just the top top highest rated movies of 2017 and it's updated every week and all year, it's like only a fraction of the list are movies that I actually have accessibility toward. But Call Me By Your Name has been consistently in the top three all year round. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about it other than this early buzz for it. Brandon, do you want to talk about the next movie? All right, so the next film we're really excited for is called Darkest Hour. Um, it comes out November 22nd. Uh, this film is directed by one of my favorite directors, uh, Joe Wright, who has done some incredible films such as Anna Karenina, um, Atonement, and Pride and Prejudice. And he's also known for this really terrible film that came out recently called, or I think it was just called Pan. Oh, the Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah, with Hugh Jackman, where they sing like modern rock songs. They sing <laughs> yeah. Nirvana. Um, but we don't talk about that. We only care about his period piece films. Um this film, I've been seeing trailers for it, and it looks like he's all in on it with his uh, directing style that we love from him. Um, he gets to do his like typical period piece, um, historical drama, but he it seems he gets to stay away from his kind of cliche uh, love story that I think is a bit too like whimsical for some people. So this, he might get to come at it with a different angle, and I'm really excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. Like, you know, Gary Oldman's an actor who always transforms and puts himself completely in his in his roles. And I mean, I can't remember seeing another Winston Churchill biopic. I'm sure there have been other ones, but I don't know if I've seen any. And this one looks like Gary Oldman looks like Churchill. He doesn't even look like Gary Oldman anymore. Like when I first saw that trailer, I didn't recognize him. So I, don't know, I, I kind of feel like there's probably Oscar buds. Like there's a good chance he's going to get nominated if the movie's decent. Yeah. And a lot of um, secondary awards too. you know, makeup, costume, set. Cool. Uh, the next, the next, next movie 
<clears throat> we're looking forward to is The Disaster Artist, directed by James Franco, and it stars James Franco and his brother Dave Franco, Allison Brie, and Seth Rogen. And it's basically, it's, it's based on the movie The Room, directed by Tommy Wiseau. Basically, this movie is like uh, kind of the telling of his story of how he made the movie. It's kind of like a behind-the-scenes movie, a fictional behind-the-scenes movie of what happened. And it just looks looks like a really funny movie. Uh, it has all, you know, all those guys that are always in each other's movies. It's from, like, the Judd Apatow group, you know, Seth Rogen and everyone. And uh, it's getting a lot of pretty good early buzz, too. So I'm excited to see what James Franco does, because this isn't going to be an all-out comedy. I think there's going to be a lot of um, substance to this film as well. Like, there will be some drama elements. The big question mark of this movie is going to be about how much it relates to The Room, and if people who have or haven't seen The Room affect their viewing of The Disaster Artist. Because The Room is like known as one of the worst movies ever made. But it's kind of like, it's so bad, it's good. You know, it's like so ridiculous and over the top and just so, so bad that people love watching it. It's got a huge cult following. Um, and so, like, you know, is it going to be like the Tim Burr movie, Ed Wood? Where, you know, Ed Wood is known as like the worst filmmaker ever, but he had tremendous passion for what he did. The next movie we we're going to talk about comes out on December 1st. It's Wonder Wheel. It's the new film by Woody Allen. Stars Kate Winslet, Juno Temple, Just Timberlake, Jim Belushi, and a few other people. Uh, basically, I, this movie takes place on Coney Island. It's an amusement park in New York in the 1950s. And Coney Island's famous for being weird and having like over-the-top carnival-type vibes and artwork and stuff. Um... You know, Woody Allen basically, you know, he comes out with basically a movie every year, if not more. He's been doing that for 30 or 40 years. And so not all of his movies are great. Uh, this one, though, is getting good early buzz and the cast is really amazing. And I don't know, I feel like Coney Island as a set should be pretty fascinating on its own. Personally, I'm curious if this movie is going to get as much, like, you know, press and exposure as... Um, it may have if it came out a different year, if it came out like a few years ago, because, you know, right now with all the sexual allegations that are coming out, I'm wondering if like Woody Allen's are going to be brought back up and if, you know, um, you know, Louis C.K.'s movie isn't coming out anymore. And you know, we've all known about Woody Allen's allegations for a long time. I'm just wondering if, if that's going to affect the movie in the upcoming weeks at all. Right. If there's going to be another round of backlash towards him. Um, I, I'm really interested in the setting, like, um, Coney Island is a pretty unique, um, place in Brooklyn. I like how much the trailer looks like it's absorbing itself in that location. Though I do think calling it like Wonder Wheel is one step too far. Is that like the big, like, uh, you know, wheel that's, is that what yeah, it's that's called? The, that's the classic Ferris wheel that's right in the center of Coney Island. Uh, okay. And it's just like maybe one too many Coney Island references. But yeah, I'm a big Woody Allen fan, and I try to see his movies every year. Anyway, uh, Brandon, you want to talk about the next movie? Next movie we're really excited for is The Shape of Water, which comes out December 1st. Um, this is Guillermo del Toro's new film. Um, he has directed a lot of great films uh, recently, like Crimson Peak. 
He did Hellboy 1 and 2, uh, the classic Pan's Labyrinth. Um, he also did Pacific Rim. I wasn't like the biggest fan of that, but I know a lot of people did like the action in it. Um, but he always has incredible style, um, incredible visuals and costumes. Um, I saw the trailer for this. The movie looks incredible. Looks like it has such a good pace and kind of steampunky time period to it. Um, I also love the name of the movie. Um, like when this was first announced before I knew anything about it, like the name alone was getting me really, really excited for it. I'm interested to see how that name plays into the storyline that unfolds. Um, this movie starring Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Octavia Spencer, and Richard Jenkins. Um, yeah, I think that movie looks really, really interesting. I'm not, I'm not as big of a del Toro fan as a lot of other people. Like just Pan's Labyrinth is great. Um, but I, mean, I haven't seen Hellboy two and or 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 what's that other one uh, with the big robots? Pacific Rim. Yeah, I haven't seen Pacific Rim, but like Crimson Peak was like whatever, didn't really do much for me. But I feel like this one, just something about this one, like the poster looks really amazing, and just yeah, like it looks like just a, kind of a classic love story, but with a sci-fi twist to it. So I, I, I pre- I'm feeling pretty good about this movie. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think he always makes really unique movies. Like they're, you know, they're not always the best movie, but they're always like very Guillermo del Toro movies. You know, no one else is going to make those those movies that he makes. So it's always really exciting when he comes out with one because you know it's going to be something really inventive and creative, and and it's cool to hear that this one's getting all that that really good buzz early on. So hopefully, it's one of those one of the better ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Pan's Labyrinth is kind of his movie everyone still talks about and is kind of in that top tier of great films. And everything else around his filmography um, doesn't reach that peak, but it's just interesting enough to see what films he does and the style he puts into each one. Yeah, like like Pan's Labyrinth was that perfect balance of all of his creativity and his like narrative um, like you know, talent. And I think a lot of them kind of lack on the second part. They're always a lot more style than substance. Yeah, sounds like he's hit that balance again. Okay, um, I wanted to bring up I, Tanya. It's a film starring Margot Robbie, Allison Janney, and Sebastian Stan. It's It was directed by Craig Gillespie. comes out December 8th. Um, basically, I'm like really excited about this movie because it's based around the story of Tanya Harding, you know, real-life competitive figure skater, uh, she had that big story where she was making it in the, I can't remember if it was the Olympics or not, but she was, you know, she was competitively like at the top and then her husband kind of started some shenanigans and, um, you know, I don't know if I should spoil real life or not right now, but basically it's like a pretty interesting story and like Margot Robbie has been getting incredible buzz for this, for this role. Um, it's very possible she's going to be nominated for best actress. Um, I hear that she's just really powerful in it. The trailer just looks like it has a great pace and that it's going to be a really fun um, progression in the story. Yeah, I actually haven't seen the trailer. I just like know the real story. So, um, Hey, this guy directed the Fright Night remake that I love so much. He did. <laughs> so much more excited <laughs> for this now. What else has he done besides that? Uh, not much. He's done Fright Night and 
the finest hours that like really over dramatic looking movie that came out a couple years oh, ago. Oh, I saw that. That came out last year. Yeah, it had uh, was Chris Pine in that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, he did Lars and the Real Girl. Hmm. And Mr. Woodcock. Yeah, that one looks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> anyway, Margot Robbie's supposed to be really great in it, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that looks great. Margot Robbie's really good, too. So next on our list is Star Wars The Last Jedi, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson, starring all the same people from the last movie, uh, Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill. <laughs> Hey, don't forget about Laura Dern. She's in there. She was in the last movie. Laura Dern's in this movie? Yeah, man. Oh, oh cool. So it's more Star Wars, which is cool. The last one was pretty good. So I really have no, like, I'm, well, I'm so excited. This is kind of like a, a test run for me because I didn't, I haven't seen any trailers for the movie and I'm not going to until I go in and see it. So are you doing that whole thing where you like cover your eyes and ears when you're in the movie theater and they're showing yeah. a trailer? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's worked out pretty well so far. So I really have no, no idea what is going to happen in this movie, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I know like Ryan Johnson is amazing. And it sounds like Disney is really happy with how this movie turned out because they're handing him his own trilogy and all that stuff. So, um yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be the biggest movie since The Force Awakens. So, Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with trailers. Like, I did see the first teaser that they came out with, but um, even though it was over two minutes long, it had almost no dialogue. It was kind of just a montage of clips. And But for the new one that came out, which apparently is full of actual storyline and what the movie is about, I have not turned that on, and I have closed my eyes in the theaters when it's been playing. Yeah. So I know nothing about this movie and I'm really excited for that too. I'm kind of doing the same experiment as you did, Derek. Yeah. It'll be really fun. Cause I've never really done that. I've always, I'm all, I've always been really pro trailer. Like I really like trailers and watching them, but like I, I guess star Wars is just kind of one of those franchises that like I enjoy, but I don't care so much about that. I have to like be analyzing every trailer. And so it's a good opportunity for me to just go into this huge event movie blind and just be hopefully just completely like, you know, just eyes wide open excitement the whole movie as things yeah. are being revealed. I just bought my tickets for this already last week. So, I mean, I know I'm seeing it um, opening Thursday. Oh, wow. You got Thursday tickets? Yeah. So I'm going, um, it's actually kind of cool. I'm going to the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum in Washington, DC, which they have oh. their IMAX theater at that museum. Um, and there's also a like special Star Wars exhibit that's going on in the month of December. So you can like walk around and look at all the uh, like Star Wars, um, I don't know, facts and history and costumes and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so that'll be a really fun experience opening Thursday night. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, man. Um, I haven't bought my tickets yet, but I'm really excited about it. <laughs> yeah, especially with um, Ryan Johnson directing it and him getting, you know, the news that just came out recently, him getting the new trilogy from Disney to continue this forward with episodes 10, 11, 12, or whatever they decide to call them. So a completely new, different story that's not the Skywalkers, and it's just like the perfect 
um, endorsement for how much Disney um, liked working with him and saw how good of a director he is. So that got me even more excited to see this product that comes out. All of his other movies have been so good. Like Looper, Brick, and... uh, Looper's incredible. And the, the... the Brothers Bloom. Have you guys seen that one? No. I actually haven't. Uh, um, I watched it earlier this year, and I was blown away. Like, there's so much style and humor and, like, great composition. Just just so much going on in that movie. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I'm really excited to see where they take the characters. I guess I'm, like... You know, the first one, people always, I mean, when I say the first one, The Force Awakens, people were saying that was so similar to the first Star Wars movie, and I guess, like, you know, if this one turns out to be exactly the same as Empire Strikes Back, I'm going to be a little disappointed, but, <laughs> like, but I'm, because I'm just excited to see where they take these characters that they established in The Force Awakens. I feel like The Force Awakens was, like, testing the waters, like, to see, like, where... Uh, like financially this franchise still exists you know like i mean there's no doubt in anyone's mind it was gonna be really big but i think they just wanted to kind of see where it was so they just played it safe and came up with this story they put it out and it's like oh okay so it's still a two billion you know dollar movie now we get to have fun with it with this one and kind of do their own thing hopefully that's what i'm hoping they were kind of doing yeah i can really see that happening too that makes a lot of sense but honestly, I'm more excited that this is a Ryan Johnson film than I am that this is a Star Wars sequel, if that makes any sense. Like on my oh, yeah. what's making me anticipate the movie the most. Um, that just actually gave me an idea, Nick. Like before this movie, going to see it, instead of watching the, you know, Rogue One and um, Episode 7. I might actually watch the Brothers Bloom in order to build up to this movie instead. Yeah. Like, use that as my uh, part one. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking something similar. Like, today, actually, I was driving around. I was thinking, like, man, it would actually be really cool to rewatch Looper. And, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Brick, too. And, like, I mean, obviously, Brick's not even going to be anywhere near, like, The Last Jedi. Brick is a film noir based in a high school <laughs> you know gritty independent filmmaking so it's not anywhere near the last jedi but it might be cool to like rewatch ryan johnson movies just to see how far he goes how far he's come since doing brick and now he's doing like you said a billion dollar movie anyway uh brain you want to talk about the next movie okay so the next movie we're looking forward to is called downsizing comes out December 22nd. This movie is directed by Alexander Payne. Um, it's starring Matt Damon, Christoph Waltz, um, Kristen Wiig, and Jason Sudeikis. Really excited about this movie. Mostly uh, Alexander Payne is a really good director um, ever since he came out with Sideways. Actually, I really liked that movie. Also, Nebraska was a great film. Uh, I think... Actually, I feel like I'm saying this a lot, but his last movie, what was it called? The Descendants? Yeah. I don't, I wasn't necessarily that big of a fan of that, um, but seeing the trailer for this movie, Downsizing, it looks really, really unique and really original, unlike anything else you've seen before. Honestly, when I first saw the trailer for this film, I thought it was a Spike Jones film. Yeah. Uh, just the way, the like, the fantastical story that it's kind of showing on screen. 
Um, and then when his name popped up as the director, it got me, it got me really excited. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a big fan of Alexander Payne too. Um, he's, I feel like he's always done really well at balancing the drama with the quirky comedy. You forgot maybe my favorite Alexander Payne movie, Election. Like God, I haven't seen that. What? Oh my gosh, that came out before Sideways. Wow. Matthew Broderick, um, uh, what's her name, Reese Witherspoon. It's, it takes place in high school. It's so funny. It, it, it's it's in my top like three high school movies. Yeah, the plot, of the the whole idea of the movie where people shrink themselves because. To like save money for not save money, but like for the world economy and stuff. Like it's it's an interesting idea. Um, I guess I'm hoping it doesn't get too like sappy. But like I said, typically Alexander Payne is good at balancing comedy and and drama. So yeah, I'm really excited about this movie. Yeah, me too. It kind of looks like a grown up version of like Honey I Shrunk the Kids esque type thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, maybe it takes place in the same universe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then the next movie uh, on our list is All the Money in the World. It's supposed to come out December 22nd, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Mark Wahlberg, Michelle Williams, and Christopher Plummer. Um, this movie's kind of an interesting one because recently... Oh, wait, it also stars Kevin Spacey. I don't know if I said that or well, not. Well, kind of. You said Christopher Plummer, but you didn't say Kevin Spacey, but... It, oh, okay. It's not okay. going to so star Kevin star, Spacey. <laughs> no, yeah, it did star Kevin Spacey. <clears throat> but recently, because of all the allegations, uh, Ridley Scott decided he was going to replace him with Christopher Plummer. So he has to go back and shoot all of Kevin Spacey's scenes with Christopher Plummer. <laughs> but the the release date hasn't changed yet, so we're not sure if it's still coming out at the same time. Maybe Kevin Spacey didn't really have a big role in the movie. Maybe it's a smaller thing that they can actually reshoot and edit real quick or something well apparently they said that like i mean i I, I, like i'm i've read mixed reports where apparently it should be easy for ridley scott to replace him like it's just a couple weeks of filming and he's able to bring back the actors and replace the scenes but also like i heard that kevin spacey was supposed to be like getting an award season push maybe for best supporting actor so like I don't know, I've kind of heard the like both both sides of the sword, you know, where it, he was supposed to be good in it. It was supposed to be like awards worthy, but they're gonna try to Ridley Scott basically was like, I work fast. I should be able to finish this in time. <laughs> I think I can in do three it. Three and a half weeks. Yeah. Like this movie comes out on the twenty second. <laughs> um <laughs> he does not have that much time to shoot and edit. And send this to every theater. He's going to be live streaming like the movie as he's editing it. Just right, from <laughs> from his Final Cut Pro like project session. <laughs> I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if you'll be able to like tell, you know, if the movie will flow as well as it would have otherwise. Like, will you be able to tell that they shot like a bunch of it over the summer and then they, they shot most of it over the summer and then shot two weeks another time? I think... Um... The hardest part is going to be to get the performance that he wants out of the actor who's taking his place. Like, I think once they've already gone through all this and they're going to be able to set up the production and set almost easier and faster, you know, than the first time. And I think the only kind of thing that could be lacking is like the passion 
of the performances on repeat. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so hopefully you don't like get to a scene that just kind of feels a little more dull because people had already been there and done that before. Right. Yeah. Well, if it does work out and there's a coherent, good quality movie that comes from this, it, it's just an example of the magic of filmmaking <laughs> that you yeah. can just go back in and just change it and make it work. So we'll see if it works or not, but it's, it's very interesting uh, that it's happening. I feel like the advertising for this movie has been really small. Like I haven't heard almost anything about it. Like the only advertising for this movie has been Kevin Spacey's controversy and the reshoots. Other than that, like I didn't even know it was happening. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like those other Ridley Scott, like outside of like his big franchise films, they're always, they're never like big, like blockbuster. Like they're not advertised to be these big movies. Like, ever, it seems like. Oh, what? He came out with Aliens this year. Yeah, this will be his second movie this year. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this would be the time, though, where they would be really pushing the advertising. Like, this is when the advertising would first be coming out. Like, I think, Derek, you said it earlier that it it was... The trailer was before Thor. I mean, they probably... Yeah. They probably pulled all of those trailers and... Uh, like they have to, they don't want to advertise the movie that has Kevin Spacey in it when he's not going to be in it. So <laughs> they probably haven't yeah. had a new trailer for it yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's going to be tight. Unless they maybe cut one without a minute. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't. But... I feel like with Ridley Scott, he hasn't put out a drama like this in a long time that's not an all out blockbuster in maybe over a decade. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how this one plays out with this kind of different story for him yeah i i don't know what i'm expecting um <clears throat> i just i just hope that it's like coherent <laughs> with this <laughs> with this actor switch so we'll see yep the next film we we're going to talk about is the post the new steven spielberg film starring tom hanks meryl streep allison brie bob odenkirk david cross bruce greenwood and a few other people um comes out december 22nd I mean, I think the main reason we're all excited about this movie is because it's a Steven Spielberg drama starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. I mean, the the combination of those three is like history of modern film. <laughs> like, yeah, Meryl Streep is the actress of the last forty years, and Tom Hanks as well. And Steven Spielberg is just you know one of the best of all time. And like we were saying with Ridley Scott, like. You know, he's, he's a director who's super famous for what he's done and what he does recently. It's kind of hit or miss. Like he, he's got like the bridge of spies and then he's got like the BFG, you know, and the bridge of spies gets nominated for best picture. The BFG people forget about. And I think he's kind of, he goes back and forth with movies these days where, you know, one will be like a big blockbuster and might go over well. It might not, but typically his dramas are well received. It's very possible this movie, just because of Spielberg, will be nominated for Best Picture. But uh, it looks like a really engaging, interesting story. It's about the Washington Post. It's a story about Vietnam. It takes place in the 70s. You know, it looks just like a really solid, interesting drama. It looks kind of like Spotlight. but Looks a lot like Spotlight, yeah. And it 
snuck up on all of us. I mean, the trailers for Ready Player One, which is what, I don't know about you guys, what I thought Spielberg's next film was going to be. Oh, yeah. Came out well before the trailers for this movie, The Post. That's totally true. Um, and Ready Player One doesn't come out till next summer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was literally maybe three or four weeks ago. I was in a small theater seeing a movie and this trailer came up for The Post. And and yeah, Spielberg's name popped up on screen. I was just like, "How does how does this sneak up on me? Like, how does Steve Spielberg sneak up on me? That shouldn't be possible in this age." Or maybe he has like he has a bunch of Tom Hanks movies like in the bank, just like to put out in between his other films all the time. Right. I also think it seems like he comes out with one like every other year at at minimum, if not once a year. Like I said, I think a lot of it is that he. He does go back and forth, so I think it maybe takes more time for him to shoot movies like Ready Player One that are big blockbusters, and they get more attention because they're big blockbusters. But Steven Spielberg is such a proficient filmmaker, he's able to maybe quietly shoot these dramas. You know, I mean, I kind of feel like Bridge of Spies snuck up on me a little bit, too, and that was a Tom Hanks movie, and it wasn't the most exciting movie, but it was definitely like a solid historical piece. Lincoln 2, that was another one that was... Not a blockbuster, but, you know, was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Uh, you can go back to, like, Munich, which was also, like, a, am not going to call it a quiet movie, but it was definitely more of a drama than anything else. And yeah. And he's working with his um, same cinematographer, uh, it's hard to pronounce his name, Johnny's Kamansky, um, who's done a lot of Spielberg films um, of lately. Um, and also like Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Even for this like small drama, it's cool that he still has this top tier cinematographer working with him. Yeah. Uh, so the next movie on our list is Molly's Game, which is the first movie being directed by Aaron Sorkin, which is pretty cool. He's uh, famous for writing uh, West Wing and Social Network and um, that the Steve Jobs movie. Uh, what else does he do? Moneyball. He's written so many movies. The Newsroom, right? That show? Yeah, The Newsroom. But he's very prolific, very fast-paced, like kind of exciting guy to just listen to his dialogue, you know? It's really uh, really witty. and They're always really engaging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even when it's just people talking, he's just able to make them like really exciting conversation stuff. Anyways, this is his first directing writing and directing movie he's coming out with. Uh, stars Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, Michael Sarah. Um, I think we're excited just because it's Aaron Sorkin. We're really excited to see what he's been around for so long. You know, we've been fans of his the movies he's written, so it's really exciting to see what he's able to do behind the camera. And from the sounds of it, it's getting fairly good buzz, and it, the trailer looks great. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. So uh, the final movie we're going to talk about today that we're excited about is Phantom Thread. It's the new film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. stars Daniel Day-Lewis in what he has said is going to be his final movie before he retires. I feel like actors retiring are kind of like pro wrestlers retiring, where <laughs> you don't know if they're really going to retire. They'll probably come back. Right. I'm kind of hoping. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping for like an old age. Um, DDL movie to come out where he's just a very elderly man doing something or other but anyway 
the combination of Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis is undoubtedly exciting. I personally think like any PTA movie is something to be excited about. I I give most of his movies four to five stars, if not all of them. You know, going back through like uh, There Will Be Blood was another Daniel Day-Lewis, Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and that's a five star movie. And he's also done Boogie Nights and Magnolia and um, Punch Drunk uh, Love. Punch Drunk Love, um, The Master. That was like a that was my number one movie that year that came out. Um, most recently he did Inherent Vice, which to me was a very misunderstood movie and it's very confusing the first time you watch it, but then you see it again and things kind of clear up. It's like almost intentionally confusing because the character is stoned the whole time. So you don't really know what's real or not. And I feel like they really nailed that, but yeah, him delving into comedy on that movie was pretty hilarious. Yeah, totally. And so if for me, like this movie is just, just really exciting because it's Paul Thomas Anderson and it's Daniel Day Lewis. Like this is so exciting that they're making another movie together. Um, I guess Daniel Day Lewis plays a dressmaker. The trailer doesn't really tell you too much about it. It's just a lot of like snipping and sewing and intense music. But I, I mean, just those names make it really exciting. I just am realizing Paul Thomas Anderson is doing cinematography for this movie. Oh no shit. Um, does he do cinematography? I I mean, all of his movies are beautiful, but I don't think he's ever shot his own movie before. I need to get to the bottom of this. That's kind of incredible. Hold on. IMDb would tell me really quickly. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Phantom Thread. This is his first and only movie he's ever done cinematography for. Wow. So like... So that'll be really special to watch to see what he does with that. Because he always has such a good visual style in his movies, but that's him directing a cinematographer to put his vision on screen. So with it completely in his control, um, hopefully he can um, hold it together. And he's going to be multitasking so much on this film. Writer, director, cinematographer. That's a a really hard job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have faith. He hasn't led me astray yet, so... All of his movies are beautiful and artful and uh, have really complex characters. So just between him and Dan Day-Lewis, uh, I feel like we're going to be in for something. <laughs> wow, that is a lot. I'm looking back from December 15th to the end of the year. There's like seven major films um, that we're looking forward to let alone probably tons of others that are going to come out Yeah, like that are even smaller and more indie. Yeah, like I'm sure there's going to be other movies that sneak in there. And, you know, once like the award nominations start coming out, there'll be movies that we are just hearing of because of that. Yep, more foreign films as well. Yep. This is going to be a lot to pack in, but I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited too. And like the addition of MoviePass um, in, in our lives has changed so much. <laughs> Right. Let's just take a moment. I think I've seen and, and I think I've seen like eight movie movies pass. in November so far. Which is And you've paid you've paid ten dollars. Yeah, I've I think I've noticed my bank account um actually doing a lot better this fall <laughs> because of movie pass. It's like I'm so willing to see pretty much anything now. You know, I uh, I'm just like, Oh yeah, sure, that movie's playing, yeah, I, I don't need to see it, but I will see it. 
But yeah. even this season, though, it's like all these movies I'm going to want to see, and I'm not going to, I'm only going to pay 10 bucks for, for all of them, pretty much. <laughs> or, Literally, yet last night, we all went to go see Coco. And once we found out how much longer is going to be because of the short film at the beginning, everyone was like, oh, let's go see Murder at the Orient Express. Because um, it's starting at the same time. And I was like, I, I'm not sure about this, guys. Like, I really want to see Coco. But then I realized I had movie pass. And I was like, all right, no problem. I'm just, I'll go see this, this like, okay movie. It's just like going to a friend's house to sit down, right? There's no cost Right, to you. yeah, there was You're no saying. consequence. So I was like, yeah, I, I don't need to see Coco. I'll see that, like, tomorrow on my own. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was probably in a similar situation last night. I was ready to go see that one murder on the Orient Express or to see Thor again, which, you know, I don't usually go see movies multiple times in the theater. Cause you know, it's like 15 bucks, a 15 bucks a showing, you know, and uh, I ended up going to see, we ended up, the people I was going with ended up seeing Thor. So, you know, it was no problem. Yeah. I enjoyed it the first time. I'll go see it again. Yeah. It has changed my life. Yeah. For the better. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, if we don't have anything else to talk about right now, or, um, I just we should probably wrap it up. And I just want to say that our next episode is going to be our fall review episode. So we're going to get together and run through some of our favorite movies that came out over the last few months. So this was our preview episode. Next one will be our, fall, our review episode. So um, we'll probably have that probably a week after this one comes out. So stay tuned for that. Well, uh, Brandon, where can we find you online? You can find me on Letterboxd um, slash Beb, that's B-E-B. Um, Instagram, Brandon underscore Bulby, and Twitter, Beb727. Yeah, you can find me at, at Chicken Tech on Twitter, at Chicken Tech on Letterboxd. Um, you can find me at Mothman23 on, basically on Letterboxd and on Twitter. Um, so cool. So stay tuned. Uh, our next episode, we'll be reviewing Blade Runner, Meyerowitz Stories, The Florida Project, Lady Bird, and uh, a few others. So, yeah, stick around. Bye. Bye. Bye.